Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, and welcome to the Syrupcast number 88. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Patrick O'Rourke. Patrick, how are you? I'm good, Igor. Very good. Uh, Jessica Vomero. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? And for the first time ever... Zach Gilbert. Oh, well, what's going on? Not too much. Zach, can you just tell for the readers who don't know who you are and what you do? Well, as Igor said, my name's Zach. Uh, that's pretty self-explanatory, but hey, I wanted to reiterate that. Um, but if you haven't seen me on the site, I'm the social media editor. Um, I kind of just go over everything social. If you're commenting, if you're talking to us on Twitter, you're more than likely talking to me. So that's what I do here. Super. So uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the ongoing Samsung Note 7 battery recall saga. Uh, it entered a new chapter this week in Canada. We'll also be talking about the uh, Pixel uh, and Pixel XL, uh, Google's two new upcoming smartphones. And last but not least, uh, we'll talk about probably about a bit about Yahoo and Google's new Allo app. Uh, so let's kick it to the music and we'll be right back. Syrupcast. So uh, this week, Patrick uh, had the opportunity to go to Samsung Canada's office and talk to Paul Brennan, COO of Samsung Canada. Uh, so Patrick, do you want to tell us about that trip? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, there's been a ton of confusion uh, around the Samsung recall. Um, and I think they're starting to handle things much better. Mm-hmm. One of the problems is that every single region is handling the recall differently. Mm-hmm. So South Korea, for example, we've covered it before. There's uh, like a battery update that's coming out that limits it to 60%, which is a little crazy. Samsung Canada is taking a different route and they don't want to do that. I think uh, Paul Brennan legitimately straight up told me that that's not going to work in North America. It's not going to work in Canada. It's a different market over there. Uh, so here, what they're doing is they're releasing a software update. So if you have an old phone that Mm -hmm. still has the battery that has the potential to heat up and explode, uh, which is still terrifying. Um, You're going to get a notification constantly on your device after you get the software update telling you to Mm -hmm. opt into the exchange program. Um, And that, that notification you can, you can dismiss it, but it's going to come up every three hours. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to sort of annoy people into returning their devices. Cause there's some people that haven't, right? Like I have a friend who, insists on not returning his advice because he just doesn't care it's fine it only affected 100 people he thinks that's nothing is going to mm-hmm. happen to him and he's probably right but that doesn't mean you shouldn't return it right yeah um so how does everyone think uh, samsung handled the recall uh, starting with you jess and then we'll go to zach um i think everybody including me was very impressed with how samsung handled the recall i think they were extremely professional about it and what's more important i think they acted very very quickly before waiting for rumors to spiral out of control or for anybody to get very seriously injured by one of the exploding note 7s i think that they did everything they possibly could and zach yeah so 
I'm kind of on the fence that it's not as um, like it wasn't as polished as it seemed. It, it kind of almost only sorry almost reminded me of like the BlackBerry days when the BlackBerry knock went down years and years ago, and you had the CEO sitting there doing his video on YouTube and talking to everybody and uh, saying what they're going to do next to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, it's kind of reminiscent of that for myself. Um, and to the degree of we've got users on Twitter and Facebook and stuff commenting themselves on how they've experienced the the recall and everything. We've got uh, one user the other day was saying that he got his new device. It didn't have the black square um, that some devices in. So I'll just interrupt you for a sec. Could one of you just outline how you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the black square thing that you're you're yeah. talking about. Um, so in Canada, there's going to be black squares on them, according to everything that Samsung told me. But you're saying that uh, a user said that there isn't. Is that, is that they're saying in the comments section? Yeah, exactly. So I tweeted out to us saying that he's got a device that was a replacement, but it didn't have the black square. So he was like, how That's do I know if this is the replacement or not? So according to Samsung, every, every replacement device has the black square. Um, and then the software update stuff that I was talking about before. Um, so if you have a new device... You turn it on. Like we just got one from Samsung recently, so that we could see how this works. You turn it on. Um, the update's supposed to come right away. In my case, with the device that I had, it did not. It. I had to. I didn't have to prompt it. I just had to like recover the device, and I think I left it sitting for a few minutes, and then the update showed up. Pressed update. It rebooted the ROM, installed the. Uh, I think it's about 40 MB. The the update. And so what changes is the always on display is now green. The little battery indicator that shows up, it's green. So that's supposed to tell you. It's a clear visual indicator that you have a Note 7 that is not going to explode. Um, and then when you go in and you look at the actual phone itself, the battery indicator on the phone is green as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things for me is I think because of the different regions and how every market was handling it differently, it was confusing. Like you didn't know how to tell, right? And yeah, yeah. Zach's saying that um, some of the commenters reached out to us and they didn't. The, the devices they were getting didn't have the black box on on the um I guess it's the barcode where they also have the I no, the IEMI, IEMI yeah, in there too. Yeah, yeah. Um and I think Samsung's changing that. They're gonna have the black mark on everything, but they also wanted to so what Paul Brennan talked about a little bit was the fact that um sometimes at carriers like phones will end up in different boxes, right? Yeah. So that's why the green indicator thing's there. That's so that people can tell for sure that they have one that's fixed. Uh, so question for you, Zach, you know, as someone who kind of handles communication on a daily, on a day-to-day basis, how do you, do you think Samsung is communicating how you find a good phone or like a phone that doesn't have a faulty battery? Well, cause it, this seems to me, it's a bit abstracted, right? Like, I don't think everyone's going to know when, just because their battery indicator is green, that yeah. their battery is okay. Well, I think the, to a degree, it wasn't it wasn't handled the best in terms of how they're communicating, how they're you know talking to their customers. Because if you think about it, you've got one message coming from the U.S., you've got a different message coming from mm-hmm. Canada, you've got a different one from other countries in the world. But the world, in terms of news, in terms of communication, isn't siloed like that, right? So it's not like, oh, I only live in Canada, I only get news about Canada, and that's just the reason I'm only going to know that there's a green um, icon or a black square. But people are going to be like, oh, well. You know, in the States, they got a blue S. Like, we were reporting back earlier, right, that the blue S was happening. So these readers are like, oh, I'm waiting for my blue S. I don't have a blue S. Where's my blue S? And then they're communicating there's a black square. Well, is there a black square and a blue S? Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. so many of these marketing messages from them just getting cluttered and confused with the readers um, and the general public. So I think that the whole notification where it's on the phone screen stuff, if that was done way earlier mm-hmm. when they first started saying that there's an issue when the, the day that they said hey guys 
this is an official recall. Mm-hmm. That's when that message should have came up on the phones. And then it should have been in region specific if that's how they wanted to do it. But it should have been in those areas specifically. This is what you got to do. Follow these instructions. Don't say call us because influx of calls to the call center. People are on hold for an hour. Nobody's going to wait. Mm-hmm. And also we've got messages and people communicating to us saying that the people on the phone in the call center had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. So if that was there, you know, laid out to them what they need to do and the, just the communication with all the, the cogs in the wheel, right? If it was all done properly, I think it could have gone a lot smoother. And I think we'd have a higher number of people exchanging their devices than we do. And that's how I feel too. Like, I think they're doing a dope job now, but mm-hmm. in the beginning mm-hmm. it was a mess, right? Yeah. Like you look at the comment section, people are tweeting me, like asking me, we're supposed to be like the mobile source in Canada, right? And yeah. we had no idea what was going on because mm-hmm. there was no communication between Samsung and us. Yeah. Um, and there's no, I don't think there's enough communication between Samsung and its customers. That's changed. Like mm-hmm. they're doing, they're doing a great job now. Sure. Um, but that definitely wasn't the case before. Yeah. I would say though, like, you know, um, Jess, you can tell us more about this article in a second, but there was an article in Bloomberg where it talked about why some of the reasons why this might have happened. And I mean, the gist of it was that Samsung wanted to be Apple and they kind of rushed things. Um, but, you know, it said there, like one of the things in looking at other recalls, what Samsung had noted was that it, it's kind of like dealing with cancer. You need to be aggressive and decisive. And I don't think Samsung was aggressive and decisive because you look at what happened in the States and something like in the States, I think they sold about 2 million. It was something about that. 2 yeah. million Note 7s, but only... Uh, when that uh, when the C when the head of Samsung America went on YouTube to apologize for the uh, what had happened, he said something around like 125,000 Note Sevens were only returned. Right, so you think about that, and you know, in the time between when that message came out and when the recall first started, the amount of cases where um, a Note Seven went up in flames in the U.S. like jumped pretty dramatically right where it was making uh the news every day uh, there were you you couldn't go on a plane and not get a message about from the flight attendants telling people to put their note sevens away right uh, and to turn them off um so again i don't think they they could have handled this better i think you know obviously they learned from it but they're still reeling so just um do you want to tell us a bit about that bloom what bloomberg was reporting yeah absolutely and i think to go back to your previous point um, I would agree with you that they were indecisive. I don't know if I would agree that they weren't aggressive. I think that that mm-hmm. was the main problem is that they instigated so many different potential solutions mm-hmm. that some people knew about, some people didn't. While they were very aggressive, I don't think they were very decisive about their method. Um, I also don't think that there's a way to be smooth about a global recall if you're trying to do it mm-hmm. quickly. I think that you either have to make a choice between doing it smoothly and doing it immediately. And I think that they made that choice. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the Bloomberg article, though, I think that the main crux of it was uh, Samsung got word earlier this year that Apple was going to release their iPhone 7 in September. And they pushed up their um, launch date to just before the iPhone 7 was supposed to be released to supposedly compete with this new device. Mm-hmm. And um, engineers were apparently under a lot of stress and product testing wasn't done as well as it necessarily should have been. Mm-hmm. And when the device um, eventually launched, it got back very quickly that it, in fact, wasn't ready and that batteries were exploding. Mm-hmm. Um, 
afterwards, it became very clear that they weren't exactly sure why this was happening in the first place. They blamed their subsidiary, Samsung SDI, and then they turned around and um, weren't exactly sure who to blame for the battery supplier. But um, the there were several different explanations given about why the batteries were exploding, and they eventually landed upon that the battery was actually too big for its compartment, which was leading it to overheat if it was charged. And the CEO of Samsung America went on uh, YouTube to explain why this was, but they didn't do it quickly enough. Mm -hmm. The whole point of the story, however, was that Samsung was trying to compete with Apple and pushed up the launch date to potentially beat Apple's dull iPhone. And while they did, in fact, beat Apple in terms of their launch date, they ended up losing a lot of sales to Apple's iPhone in the end because this all happened before Apple, in fact, launched their phone on September seventh. And I think it's I think it's kind of sort of sad too because I I like the Note seven. I think it's a great phone. I think it looks cool, and I do think that before this happened, Samsung really did sort of take Apple's crown in terms of design. From my perspective, I know a lot of people will disagree with me, probably Zach, um, but I I think it's a great looking phone. And I think Samsung's been moving towards surpassing Apple, and I think that they did. And then this happened, and it all sort of blew up in their face. Um, I would absolutely agree that this is it's the worst possible timing for Samsung. And as we know, that the news has just been reeling over the past three weeks. People have been talking about nothing else in the tech space except for the exploding Note 7s and how Apple must be reacting to this. I think it's extremely unfortunate for what otherwise would have been a very well-designed phone. So according to Paul Brennan, the in Canada, the Note 7 is going to go back on sale sometime mid-October. What do you think, I mean, how does it, I guess, final numbers, what do you think those will be like in Canada specifically? Do you think this phone is going to recover or is it kind of dead in no. the water now? For sales, you mean? Yeah, sales. Like where is the Note 7, what is, what is its legacy going to be? Like is it going to rebound? No, it's dead. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's and it's evident in terms of, um, just like marketing and to, to go back to what uh, Jess was writing about earlier about marketing messages and you know what we're bombarded with every day um, in terms of when the rollout happened and when their you know emergencies happened and when this was coming like people were just bombarded by all this information and not only that is that people don't have allegiances like they did prior to you know with devices and stuff like that so you know Samsung's like oh we're gonna kind of forge through with marketing we're gonna make this the Note 7 versus the Note 6 so we can kind of put things in that perspective so people say this is a new device it's not something else um but now they they've they've got a lot of people who won't buy the device again and, and it's evident in terms of our commenters in terms of users on facebook on twitter um and google plus and they're just saying you know i've returned my device and i returned it for good yeah absolutely wow. i mean before this happened i was really excited for the note 7 we got one into the office mm -hmm. and i played with it a little bit i was like wow i really like this phone i've been on apple for the past four years but i think i'm gonna switch over and the news of this all broke and guess what device i have now zach you know iphone 7 yes i do <laughs> <laughs> um so i guess we'll you know we'll do a follow-up once the phone goes back on sale and we'll keep tracking the story uh but in the meantime on october 4th Google is scheduled to announce its new pair of phones. And the tenor to this release is going to be, I think, significantly different. Um, so, Patrick, you've done most of the stories on this, uh, or I think you're the most familiar with the brand and what's going to happen with it. Yep. 
Um, so do you want to give us just a quick outline? Yeah, sure. So uh, on October 4th, there's going to be an event in Toronto, as well as in other major cities around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Igor and I will be there, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're expected to see is Google's going to reveal the Pixel C, which Zach sometimes... Pixel, what's what's, what's your affectionate name for it? I call it the Pixie. The Pixie it's phone. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're going to... Re- not the Pixel C. Yeah. That, that's, Pixel C is a tablet. I have yeah. one of those at home. They're going to reveal the Pixel. They're going to take the Pixel C's name and they're going to turn that into um, like a brand. Nexus is dead. Mm-hmm. It's all about the Pixel now. So we're going to see the Pixel and the Pixel XL, similar to like the iPhone. Uh, and iPhone Plus. Yeah, iPhone Plus and the, the regular sized iPhone. Um, and this is going to be sort of Google's big, big run, big run at Apple. They're HTC made. That's, mm-hmm. that's what we're expecting. But they're not going to have HTC branding on yeah. them. HTC is sort of, they're like behind the scenes taking a back seat. It's and like this Alcatel is, for Blackberry's new yeah. device, right? They're just making it. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's going to be. That's that's totally what we're expecting. Um, and these are going to be high-end devices. Probably going to have a Snapdragon. Uh, the new Snapdragon? Or A20. A20, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're going to have high-end specs. I don't think we're going to get a quad HD screen. Probably going to um, be 1080p. So I imagine on the, uh, so on the Pixel XL, uh, that is going to have a quad HD for uh, display. For and that is... The Daydream spec yeah. phone, right? And Daydream, uh, for those who don't know, is Google's upcoming uh, VR spec. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we saw that little tease. There's a tease that's out there where it just shows the outline of the phone. Um, and I guess sort of contrary to a lot of upcoming devices, like there's been some leaks, some sort of silhouettes of the phone that we've seen on the internet. Um, I know some sites have done uh, like their own <laughs> renders. Their own, yeah. their own renders of what I can only assume is like, someone's seen the phone they have pictures of it or maybe they've given them pictures but they haven't given them permission to release that photo yeah. so they're like making a digitized mock-up of the phone um and it looks dope looks cool uh whether or not it's gonna be enough of a change to like take on the iphone and we'll, we'll see so um the interesting thing in um reading about this phone is it's going to be more expensive than past nexus phones and i think it's a real interesting shift for Google in that now they want to be like, and what I was reading in Bloomberg and stuff is that they want to compete with their own OEMs. So specifically, they want to outdo Samsung. They want to outdo, I guess, even HTC, even though HTC is making the phones, they want to outdo LG. Um, and how do we think that strategy is going to pan out? Is, I mean, is it almost too late in the game for there to be, you know, because Patrick, what you love to say is, for most people, Android is Samsung, right? Do yeah, we, yeah. Do we see do we see this changing from Android is Samsung to Android is Pixel? I mean, I mean, it depends. Like, so Microsoft with the Surface Book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Surface Book and the Surface Pro. That is the marquee two in one. Came out. Mm-hmm. I think it sort of hit its stride with the Surface Three two years ago, two and a half years ago now. Yeah. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Um, and that pushed other Windows manufacturers to make really, really great devices. Mm-hmm. They've stepped their game up. Like you, you have like the Spectre, the HP Spectre, and all these other great two-in-ones. And that I don't think that would have happened unless uh, Microsoft released the Service Book. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of Android devices, there's some great high-end high-end um, phones out there that have incredible build qualities. But like the iPhone is still like that that peak, like 
I don't think many Android devices have hit it in terms of build quality and aesthetic. And what I'm hoping with the Pixel is that HTC and Google pull out all the stops. This is like the ultimate Google device, both in terms of performance, uh, Android device, both in terms of performance and looks. And this will push other OEMs to step their games up as well and release a better device. That's what I'm hoping. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think you're maybe right Mm -hmm. that it's too late. It's too little too late. So yeah, uh, your take, Zach, and then Jess. Yeah, so uh, to kind of put another spin with Microsoft and everything, um, years ago when the Xbox wasn't doing well, or even you know with the PlayStation 4 that just came out, is that Xbox and Microsoft, they have the money to keep pushing and pushing, just like Google. Google has the cash flow. If you look at their you know, quarterly reports, year-end report, they've got the cash flow to keep pushing this, even if it doesn't do well. Um, you know, It could take them five years. It could take them longer, but they've got the money to do it. So I think they're going to keep going forward. I don't I don't even think they make money on Nexus devices. No, but they have the they have the money in the bank. No, to, no, I know. Be, for it to be a loss. I'm here. just like I'm agreeing with you. I think yeah, yeah. cuz they don't they don't have like they don't have to, right? This is mm-hmm. supposed to The Nexus devices are always like the example of uh the best Android device out there. But there's never been that sort of melding of hardware and software that I think Apple has and I I'm hoping that this is what Pixel is. This is finally uh, the time where Google is like marrying those two things together. Well, I've got a long stretch here. So if you've seen some of the marketing um, that's out there, the one they had, I believe it was in New York. It was on one of the piers. So it's just like a silhouette of the device. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, have they talked about anything about AR? So they've got these silhouettes of devices sitting around that you can look right through and you can see the world around you. So I don't know if that's alluding to some sort of AR function that could be, you know, I know I know that could be a long stretch, but um... uh, it's not a long stretch in the sense that you know they have a spec for it called Tango, right? And mm-hmm. at Lenovo Tech World, they showed off Lenovo and Google together yes. showed off the uh, Bab2 Pro. That's yep. the worst name ever. Yeah. Still, so, it's so and, bad. <laughs> but um, and that phone never came came to Canada. I don't even know. It ended up in the states, got, to be quite honest, because delayed or whatever. I, I think we reported that it was delayed. Okay, so actually. it was delayed. Um, but they kind of went on radio silence with this phone, mm-hmm. right? And the realities of the kind of uh, the realities of the Tango spec is that the phone has to be huge, like to the point where, like, bigger than anything you've used, like even bigger than the iPhone Plus, for instance, right? Um, and it it just doesn't come off as a very attractive phone right and like the use cases for it and the software aren't just just aren't there yet in part because this development unit hasn't gone out to developers um but so sorry you were making uh, did you want to say anything else before we toss it to jess no no just that you know they could have easily just put a piece of metal a piece of whatever material as a mm-hmm. phone but no they chose to actually make an outline of a device and put that in places no i so, thought that's a good point right? so and you're just, onto something i think so we'll see what happens uh, in a couple of days on that. Yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think I'm definitely with you, Zach, that they, if it was any other company, I feel like I would have, I would have my doubts about them being able to compete with Samsung and Apple, but it's Google. And everybody seems to believe that Samsung and Android go hand in hand, but Google is Android. And if anybody can do Android better than Google, then... Um, we haven't really seen that yet. I think that we've definitely seen the end of the $0 Nexus phone and the um, inexpensive Chromebooks because everybody has to test the waters with something. But I don't believe for a second that um, this was anything but a strategy 
to see how people react to these devices and whether or not they're willing to spend money on them. And if while they don't necessarily make money on the Nexus phones, they've obviously have a proof of concept there. I, I would put my faith in the Pixel, to be honest, because Google has the money to push this for five, ten years before it becomes successful. Yeah. I want one. <laughs> so, but they also want your data, right? So that's the perfect way for them to get your data. Absolutely. Yeah, that's and true. But so, so on the one hand, uh, I'll just quickly say, like, Google already has your data, whether you're using uh, their own, your own, they're one of their phones or any. But this is an iPhone, right? Like, if you just put Gmail on it, Google has all your data, more or less. Um, but Patrick, what's your take on? So we've heard that it's not going to use stock Android anymore. It's going to use. Google's own skin of stock Android. It's so say. weird. Um, so what's your take on that? Because it, it comes off as very like a very strange move to me because the issue with Android already, like there's only one Android, well, let's say three Android Nugget phones. One, the Nexus 5X, is apparently like the OTA is bricking some. Yeah, I remember Nexus any passes, <laughs> right? Like um, Rose is reviewing uh, the V20, spoiler warning, like the software is really buggy um and then so that leaves the nexus 6p as the only decent like running nugget phone right um i mean i i think it's a weird move i i honestly don't care i i, I think if they do a good job with it like if the mm -hmm. features are cool and they're useful and add something to android because i think if anyone knows android it's google right it's their operating system so i think they know what it needs and what it doesn't need um, and I mean, if it sort of takes the Note, the the Note Seven approach to, is it, the Note Seven's running Android seven point right? No, it's on Marshmallow. Marshmallow, man. Um, but but just <laughs> just in general, I mean, like if they take uh, Samsung's most recent approach to Android and they they like skin it a little bit and improve it in very minor ways, I think it's it's fine. But it depends on what Google does with it, and and I think since it's their operating system, they probably know what they're doing, right? For the for the most part, at least we hope. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think mm. Google and Android absolutely go hand in hand, right? Yeah. And from a user perspective, I don't think that many people care unless you're a real tech enthusiast about having stock Android necessarily. They just want a smooth experience. Yeah, that's true. Um, so in other Google news, they also released uh, Allo. Um, Allo. So um, <laughs> Zach, uh, what what do you think? So what do you think the response has been in Canada? It just came out yesterday, so I mean, a lot of Canadians haven't had a chance to really use it yet. Um, has anyone in the room downloaded it? I yet? I downloaded it when I wrote the stories to yeah. take some photos and some screenshots. To me, like, so I I already use very specific messaging platforms, right? So I talk to my mom on Facebook Messenger, talk to my annoying friends from high school on Facebook Messenger, I talk to my girlfriend in GChat. Um, and that's that's like all I do the, those two platforms and sometimes I'll text people right I don't need another messaging platform added into the mix I know that it links to phone numbers but like I'm already comfortable with what I'm using I already have things divided into these different platforms and, I, yeah. and I'm fine with it like I don't need another one it, to me it's just another messaging platform so um, that's it can you just tell uh, for those who don't know what is Allo what does it do what's cool about it uh, so it's it's, a, it's another, messaging, another messaging platform. It has the ability to uh, do auto-replies. Mm -hmm. that, that's, I think, sort of the, the marquee thing that people are pumped about it. It's with, like, machine learning. With, yeah, yeah with, yes. with machine learning. And, and I do think that that's cool, but I, I don't really want to, like, automatically reply to people. I think that's a little Once strange. Once you turn you into a chatbot. 
Yeah, yeah everyone wants to turn me into a chatbot. And I mean, I'm busy, but I'm not that busy. If someone like <laughs> messages me, I can respond and be like, hey, dude, I'm busy. Like, yeah. like I, I can't talk to you right now. I don't need a chatbot to do that for me. I mean, maybe some people do. And, and I guess that's useful. But uh, like I said, to me, this is just this is just another just another chat chat app that, that there, like, I'm not going to use. There are some cool things. So like mm-hmm. um, the open table integration. So like if you're saying to your friends, hey, guys, let's go for for dinner or whatever. You can select some restaurants and then have everyone poll and then it kind of tabulates on which one's the best one and lets you make a reservation from there. Like that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Um, so I will note Edward Snowden said not to use it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there was a bit of a kerfuffle in terms of privacy setting. Uh, when the app was initially announced back at IO, they said it would have transient message storage. This is meaning that like, as soon as you would send a message, it would maybe keep it on your phone for let's say a minute and then it would delete it. Um, this is similar to Snapchat, right? Like there's no record of what you but that said. Was, that was only in private mode. Uh, it was, it was supposed to be, the transient messages were supposed to be in uh, incognito yeah. and the standard mode. Oh, really? Okay. They pulled back on that, uh, saying that they wanted to improve the AI component of it. So, you know, for these smart replies, what the app has to do, it has to scrub everything you're saying, right? Because it wants to kind of say it in a tone that is similar to how you would talk so that it doesn't like come off that a robot is talking to one of your friends. Um, And it has to know like when to say these things, right? So um, they said they thought the privacy loss was worth it for the smart assistant feature, which... You know, this is Google. This is their MO, and this is you know not really surprising. Um, but I just think you know, like Edward Snowden has a pretty good point, and he's like, you know, and like, why do you want like Google to have an infinite store of everything you've ever said? <laughs> they already have all my emails. So That's true. Might as well yeah. give them my private <laughs> messages too. So yeah. But the thing too, like, they're not. Um, at least they haven't stated that they're they're doing this data mining on the device, right? They're probably mm-hmm. taking it off to their servers in whatever country and wherever that the laws are, are various and, and less. Um, whereas you look at Apple, at least based upon what they've stated, is that all the machine learning is on device. Mm-hmm. So Apple does with iOS 10, they do you know very similar things with uh, OpenTable or with automatic replies or with emoji prediction um, and that kind of stuff. But they're using... I can't remember the technical term, but it's essentially where they just inject a bunch of random data into your data. Mm-hmm. And then if they need to, that's when they take it off site and they, and they analyze it with their machine learning and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But my guess is that Google's not doing that. And then with oh, that, with Edward Snowden, right? He's like, they're just taking this and they've got everything as, as Igor was saying, right? They just got all your data and some FBI person wants to, and I guess it comes down to if you're worried about it, then you probably should be worried in terms of, you know, if you're somebody that's going to get your data checked out by the FBI, well, then maybe you shouldn't be using chats and stuff like that that are mm-hmm. owned by other companies. My but. favorite feature is that you can send SMS messages to all of your contacts free of charge for you. But depending <laughs> on the person's plan, they have to pay for it. So that's, that's so if there's someone you don't like, just send them like a bunch of texts. If you know that their plan is like not the greatest, I like that. Um, Jess, what's your outlook on the app? Well, I think that this all goes back to the big battle between privacy and artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence can't really exist if your privacy settings or privacy preferences are to the max because it can't scrub what you're saying, it can't mine your data, and it can't Mm -hmm. essentially pretend to be you and customize your information and feed it back to you in the form of messages, in the form of suggestions. 
Um, but for people that are comfortable with that, uh, they have to be comfortable with the fact that a company does have your information and that's exactly how it's feeding it back to you. You really just essentially have to pick a side if you're going to be using this app or any app like that because yep. there's really no way around the fact that artificial intelligence is based off of you and on the information that you consent to providing. Yeah, so we we have a new writer who's going to be doing a column on kind of the fine print of apps and you know the way she was putting to me it's always a trade-off right like there's some great things that you get from these apps um but it's whether you're w willing to make the trade um i think she's gonna focus on messaging apps soon too soon, so you're, yeah. you're gonna see a cool story on mobile yeah. surf about with with aloe included in in like a smattering of other messaging apps. um so before we give our shout outs uh zach did want to point out one thing which was the yahoo um <laughs> I, I complete Chaos. mess yeah like half, disaster half a billion accounts <laughs> take like dante's peak the movie and times it by 50 yeah oh. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch that this weekend <laughs> it's a now. Good movie. Yeah. <laughs> um so given that there's so many, like half a billion users had their account information compromised um you wanted to give a bit of friendly advice so go ahead yeah so one would be don't use simple passwords. I think one of the most common passwords used, you know, is like one, two, three, four, or something crazy like that. And, yeah. And just the overall, what is the interwebs, right? But, um, you know, Patrick, what were you saying? What the website that you use, uh, I can't remember the name actually, yeah. but you can actually check to see if your email address or address is, it's, you know, check everything. But yeah, I, I can, I can, I'll, I was just going to say what it was called. It's called uh, have I been pwned.com, yeah, pwned. I believe. And that's, P-W-N-E-D. Yeah, yeah, that's not me just trying to be cool by saying pwn instead <laughs> yeah. of own. That's actually what the website's called. Um, and yeah, you put in your email address and it tells you how many data breaches your email has been part of. I have been part of five. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other tip I can give you is just use a password manager, right? Where it generates a random password where... One password. Pass yeah, one password. Uh, last pass. There's a lot of yep. dash lane. There's a lot of great options there. Um, but what it does is just... You have one randomized password for each account so that if that password gets compromised, it'll just the utility will just generate a new password for you and you're good to go. Like nothing else gets compromised. Well, there, there's some of those apps that now have the ability to say, hey, change your passwords and then they go in and change them all for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if LastPass is integrated. That I've used that for a while, but um, now I'm using the Apple keychain, mm -hmm. which I find right. handy as well. Um, because it does it. It gives you like a 12-string password, and it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I run into often with those uh, passwords, even with with those passwords like management, uh, I guess, apps and systems, is sometimes if you're using multiple operating systems and multiple devices, it gets a little complicated. Yeah. Because I'm always switching phones. I, I'm i using a, a Windows PC for my like work computer right now. I also have a Mac. I also have an iPhone. I also have an Android device. Um, and I know it's possible to to sync across all these with one password, but it's not exactly easy. But I know I'm I'm like a special use case. I use all this stuff for work. For sure. But that that's for me. That's a deterrent to using it on every single device that I have. You have to be vested in the in the ecosystem of one or the other. Really. Yeah. That, that's yeah. that's the big thing. Yeah. Uh, so shout outs starting with Jess. Um, I guess I'll give my shout out to Verizon today because apparently they are reconsidering their acquisition of Yahoo because <laughs> of this big mess that they've gotten themselves into yesterday. So I'm interested to see whether or not that still goes through, but best of luck to both of them. I, I think they're going to still buy it, but for 
much less. Far less yeah. money. Like, so, give, give us a bit of a discount, please. So it's interesting. <laughs> this hacking apparently happened two years ago. It's yeah, 2014, which I found ridiculous as I was writing the story yesterday. How can you keep this from users and a potential buyer for yeah. two years? I, so props I, to Motherboard for... It, totally, yeah. yeah. I, I think that uh, Verizon may have done like some sort of investigation yeah. and yeah. Yahoo knew that this was happening and they're like, well, we should probably get up in front of this and, and talk about it, even though it happened two years ago, and we're going to look really bad. And it was a state-sponsored actor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I well, saw that, too. You couldn't said what hear... that means yet, so... Yeah, you couldn't hear the air quotes. No. Uh, what was his name, too? I can't find it. Uh, but he had, like, a hilarious code name, the state-sponsored actor. Mm-hmm. Something... Peace. Peace, yeah, <laughs> peace. There you go. That's what it was, yeah. Interesting. How's uh, that? Yeah, so shout out to, um, I don't have a specific like company or something like that, but I want to shout out to all our commenters and, and people in the community, right? So I started at Mobile Serve three months ago and, and really what I've been, actually just over three months, but hey, what I'm doing here is like working with the community to build and grow this, right? So bear with me at times. I know that sometimes right now we've got some comments going on that's not the best, but hey, we're definitely working and we are, we are seeing all of this, right? So work with us while we work with you. Um, to build a better mobile serum. I feel so warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I like that. that was the, I think it's the best shout out we've ever had. Yeah. Um, so so my, my shout out is somewhat uh, warm and fuzzy as well. I, I want to send out a uh, shout out to Rose for, for killing her V20 review, which should be up on the site mm-hmm. soon, uh, despite the fact that she's not feeling the greatest this week. Um, and for also holding down the news and not being on the pod the, this, yeah. this specific week while, while we talk all things mobile syrup and tech. Uh, so my shout out goes to Robin. You can't hear her, but she's in a, the room with us, helping us with the podcast, making sure that it sounds even better. Uh, so thank you so much, Robin, for sitting in with us. And on that note, take it easy, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.